0: Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. You've come at a great time. Self-Knowledge September. Yep, we're big believers in self-knowledge. It's kind of a big deal, and so big, in fact. We've got a book that just came out on self-knowledge from BigSelfSchool.com, and there's a self-knowledge class coming on September 29th. You know where to get more details.
1: For years now, y'all, researchers, they have been demonstrating these really strong links with scientific evidence that people are happier when they know themselves and how others see them. They're better decision makers. They have better personal and professional relationships. They raise more mature children. That's
0: right. They become smarter, more adept students who choose better careers. They also tend to be more creative, confident and overall better communicators. And because knowing yourself does require a sophisticated level of learning and understanding, you also learn about the fundamentals of morality.
1: And that's why for today's episode during this month of self-knowledge, We are talking with a topmedium.com since 2017 writer, Anthony Moore. Anthony's articles have been featured in Business Insider, Fast Company, Thought Catalog, CNBC, Yahoo, and Thrive Global. Hundreds of thousands of readers view his articles every month, and we uh, just had a fantastic conversation with him.
0: Anthony Moore, welcome to the show.
2: Great, thanks. Uh, Good to be here. It is great
0: to have you on. Welcome.
1: We're glad to have you. Glad to uh, have some time to chat about all the cool things you've you've been creating.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah.
0: Author of What Extraordinary People Know, and you are going to share with the Big Self audience five things that they know. Uh, related to your book. Uh, you want to just hit us over the head with with the very first one, What Do Extraordinary People Know?
2: Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me on the show, you guys. Uh, it was really great to be here and everyone listening. Hi, how's it going? My name mm-hmm. is Anthony. I wrote the book, What Extraordinary People Know, uh, How to Cut the Busy BS and Live Your Kick-Ass Life.
1: I love and, that. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yes.
2: Um, the impetus of this book was just... Um, really focusing on what these like really extraordinary people you know know uh in the world and people from all areas uh, on all all careers and social classes and demographics of you know actors entrepreneurs CEOs artists creators and the extraordinary kind of like section of that that group it's like what do they know and how did they get there what are their mindsets their behaviors their habits and uh if you study these people, if you read their autobiographies, you know interviews, transcripts, and I just kind of pored over like, what do these people know? Like, what makes them different? You actually start mm, to see some yeah. pretty striking um, similarities and themes, and that's what the book is about. And so, um, there's so many things that you know this this group of people knows and does, and it's really specific. And I encourage everyone here to you know study the greats, especially in your craft, you know, like if you're a writer or a podcaster or a painter or whatever, study the extraordinary people because you're going to see what they do and how you can model that. Um, But really where things start out is uh, they understand how to really maximize their time and uh, Mm -hmm. really condense their time so they can live a lot of life in uh, kind of like an average amount of time and they can do a lot and you you see that all the greats have put in a huge body of work and they've done that by like knowing how to use every single one of their hours for either really hyper-focused, deep work and like putting in the reps, but also really knowing how to rest and recharge. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I- and That had, would be my
0: big question. How do you recharge yeah. when you're maximizing all the time?
2: <laughs> right. Well, a great book on that is uh, Anders Ericsson's book *Peak: The New Science of Expertise*, and he talks about you know deep work and deliberate practice and lots of you know kind of like technical terms. But the core of that is like how do you uh, become a master? How do you become an expert uh, quickly and optimally? And uh, one of his biggest, um, like one of the biggest lessons I learned from that book was this: a short line. He said that one hundred percent when you're on, and one hundred percent when you're off. Now, what we have seen, like my team, like just is studying people and reading books like uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins and kind of like the difference of ordinary, extraordinary, average versus, you know, like this this, this higher stack of people. What we're seeing is that a lot of people are kind of at this like constant level of always being on, you know, with their relationships and with their work. And uh, even on their downtime, they're like kind of thinking about email and about meetings and schedules and like things to do. Uh, and they're never really off. And when you're kind of in this constant state of like, you know, cat-like readiness, you know, even to a small extent, that's exhausting. Uh, And you're never really resting. And oftentimes in order to compensate with a high level of stress, uh, you do things like you drink a lot of coffee or you might go to like alcohol or recreational drugs to like come down. And that just adds to like your uh, low level of sleep and low level of of nutrition and and like everything kind of comes down when you're at Mm -hmm. this constant state of, of, of readiness, even when you don't have to be. Whereas if you focus on these extraordinary people who are just doing incredible amounts of work, like, you know, the, the, the Beyonce's and the Barack Obama's and LeBron James, like that level of productivity, you see that actually are really, really good at recharging and totally um, turning it off. Uh, There was a a great quote in this Michael Jordan documentary called the last dance. I just finished it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. One of Michael Jordan's biographers was saying that look, Michael Jordan's greatest skill—and like I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here—he's like, it's not that he could run fast or jump high or shoot the ball well. He's saying he was just completely present wherever he was, and that made him like mystical. Like if he was on the court, he was completely focused, and and when when he was off, he was totally relaxed and not thinking about stress. And was like, oh, what are you thinking about? Like next game? He's like, I don't even know. Like I'm just listening to music. I'm gonna play golf there today. (laughs) <laughs> all these things. He's so focused on where he is now. So in order to kind of reach that level of, you know, maximizing your productivity, you have to know how to recharge. And so I think that's a great lesson from that book, peak
1: so, 100% yeah. when
2: you're on 100% when you're off.
1: It, like, let's just stop here for a minute. I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm nodding my head. Yeah. I'm like intellectually, I'm so there with you. And I too, write and talk about this and how important it is to have like sustainability that kind of undergirds our work. Mm. But oh my gosh, it is so hard in practice. Yeah. But this mm. is something
0: This one is for me too. I think
1: I'll struggle with probably for the rest of my life. So, and I'm reading um rereading Tim Ferriss's 4-hour work week right yeah. now. Mm. And um, and he, you know, he talks about that a lot, too. And, you know, his end game is about recharging through travel. Mm-hmm. And so he really wants to maximize his time working so that he can have all this time off. And I'm I'm listening and I'm like, well, like, I would just want to use my time to write a book or use my time to come up with another project. Like, it's really, really hard for me to Um, practice it, even though I agree with it. So like, what would you say to that? Some, someone like me, who's probably, you know, a lot of, a lot of our listeners, I think get that, how, how difficult it is to lay stuff down. So what, what did you learn about the extraordinary people? Like, how did they get there and how did they become so focused and present?
2: Mm. Well, first, Shelly, I totally relate with you. I'm the same way, you know? So I'm saying <laughs> these things and reading these things or writing a book about it, and I have the hardest time coming down. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I'm just up at night with my newborn daughter, and I'm, I'm thinking about work, and I'm thinking about emails. Yeah. And, you know, like it's, that's that, that describes me too. Um, one lesson that really helped me, and I think a lot of these listeners here, like, if you're someone who also feels like you can't turn it off, it's hard to do that. Um, a great book that is pretty popular nowadays is Deep Work by Cal Newport. Mm-hmm. And in that book, he said that um, he was the same way and just like really focusing on like strong work every day, but also recharging in the evenings. And he was saying for him, he started this this ritual where once he was done with his work for the day, he would uh, actually verbally say the words out loud, shut down complete. And like that was just like this like weird cue for him that kind of became a ritual like, hey, I'm done now. And once he said that like there were there was there's was very strict rules like no work no thinking about work no like side hustle stuff just just you're, you're mm-hmm. totally shut down and after a while like a few weeks of doing that it just kind of like became this this conditioner to his brain saying hey like we're done and uh, that just kind of like sorted things out between the work phase and the rest phase. So I started doing that too. And uh, I still kind of do that around five PM most of my days where it's like, hey, shut down complete. I'm done. Because I could work yeah. all evening and I have and I like to sometimes. But you know, I want to spend time with my family and, and, and just rest because I know that if I can't have the energy for tomorrow, it's not gonna work. So that's yeah. just one small lesson to help me where it's like if you can start having this this mental cue saying, Hey, we're done. And you can have your own verbal phrase or like, you know, you could I've like heard people like who uh, wear rubber bands on their wrist and they, and they flick them <laughs> once they're done, you know.
0: No flagellation.
2: So some, some kind of like mental cue, physical cue, saying "Hey, we're done now." That's gonna really kind of help you get into a routine, separating work from rest.
0: Yeah, that you know, as you're saying that, um, you mentioned uh, Jim Collins, good to great, and I think he talks about the those uh, twenty Xers or something, and Mm -hmm. it's that they're just super consistent for a super long period of time. Mm -hmm. So they, even if they had the energy to go for you know ten hours of work, they still they're just going to do that. Eight and they're going to be yeah. super, super consistent. Yeah. I thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, definitely. In um, I think Stephen Pressfield's book, uh, The War of Art. He was talking yeah. about consistency, and he was saying, I forget the the exact quote, something like, um, "Consistency cr- like creates physiological energy spikes, which means mm-hmm. like if you do something at one time during the day, your brain and body are going to start really focusing on that time every single day. So if you're consistent, you can enter these flow states where you're just doing a ton of great work. And then you can like rest easier. So once you can kind of tell your body what to do consistently, it'll be easier for, you know, like all these hyperactive brains and like, you know, just really uh, hyper thinking to stop and kind of fall in line with the system of like 9am is when you work Mm -hmm. and 5pm is when you stop you know?
1: Yeah. And it becomes habit. Yeah. I like that.
0: Wow. You're coming out of the gate, just firing on all cylinders. (laughs) That's that's enough for me right there, but uh, (laughs) I mean, that was wonderful, but I am super curious. What is number two then?
2: Yeah. There are so many things again. So let's keep going down the list here. Uh, Next, extraordinary people really know how to manage their money incredibly well. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think broken down, there's two kinds of money here. There's right money and the wrong money. And the wrong money is typically much harder for you to earn. It's just putting a square peg into a round hole. It's a hard money versus easy money. And when you look at the lives of extraordinary people, a lot of them are very privileged and affluent and like have the the, the time and, and space to do these incredibly creative, wonderful things. For all of you listeners who are working nine to five jobs in corporate America behind a desk, that was me for years too, and I didn't have a lot of you know excess money and like time to manage it. Um, but no matter where you are, no matter how much or how little money you're making, you can manage it well because um, if you can manage a small amount of money well, you're going to know how to manage big amounts of money well. And the further along you go on your journey to, from, from transforming from ordinary to extraordinary, uh, everything in your life is going to increase, including your responsibility and your money. And if you don't know how to manage your money, once you kind of reach that tipping point of like, things are working, things are clicking. I could quit my job now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting traffic and money. You're not going to be able to handle it if you don't know how to handle a small amount of money first. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time uh, studying like the top finance books, like just, just of, of all time. Uh, one of my favorite ones is, um, George S. Clayson's book, the richest man in Babylon. And so it's, 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 it's more of like, like a parable type story of like money and like how to manage it. And uh, yeah, he was saying like unearned wealth and like sudden, you know, spikes of like uh, maybe like an inheritance or like a jackpot or like whatever it is winning the lottery. Uh, That's pretty dangerous because if you don't know how to handle a small amount of money, that large amount of money could destroy you. And eventually, Mm -hmm. if you're going to get to a place where you're like operating at a very high level, you might be managing employees, like running your own business or working from home where everything kind of falls on you. If you don't know how to handle that level of responsibility, uh, it's going to crumble pretty quickly. And there's lots of studies that show like these you know, lottery winners and kind of uh, even like young athletes who like sign bajillion dollar deals. Like if you don't know how to handle that, it's it's easy to kind of like fall off track, get sidetracked with, with uh, the money. So what we have seen is that extraordinary people know how to handle their money and know how to kind of run it where they aren't run by their money. So there's a lot to unpack there. I think I'll stop there, uh, knowing no, how to I manage money. Question,
1: if I can, I would sure. love for you to give us uh, examples of hard money and easy money. And I'm, mm. I did read an article that you wrote, I will say this, about mm. instead of making products, make offers, mm. and I thought that was really interesting. And so I'm right. wondering if that's in line a little bit with the hard and easy money. Uh, and if you could just differentiate those a little bit, that'd be great.
2: Absolutely yeah so generally there's two kinds of money here easy money and hard money uh easy money really taps into your natural abilities your natural inclinations things you like to do you can have fun Uh, you can typically make a lot more money than the average person this way and typically Mm -hmm. these ways are things like entrepreneurship and uh, online businesses and kind of really scaling your your time where you can make thousands of dollars an hour versus like you know nine to five that's that's pretty pretty impossible unless you're a ceo um, hard money is frankly, what a lot of people are in right now. And we've done a lot of studies on like just demographics and what people are doing with their, with their money and, and, and why, and hard money, uh, is a lot harder to make. And it doesn't really like let you be creative and tap into your, you know, deepest talents and abilities. And again, part of that is, is, you know, very privileged and people don't always have the luxury to just do what they love to do, right? They like have to work and and, and pay the bills. But as you're making hard money, and I think if you're listening to this, you know if it's hard or easy money right now. If you're making hard money, you can start learning how to make easier money on the side. Um, famed entrepreneur uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know he's this big hustle guy. Uh, he wrote that pretty much everybody who's working a nine to five job can work an extra four hours a day between 5 and 7 a.m. and 7 and 9 p.m. That, that kind of goes around like dinner time and commutes and it will take some sacrifice, but if you can work that time to create some easy money uh, over time, that could be really beneficial. And that's what I did. I was working in telemarketing for years. It was horrible, but around my day job, I was working on building easy money. For me, that was like writing a book where I can kind of sell that infinitely mm-hmm. or making an, an online course. Again, infinitely scalable. I just need people to like keep buying and buying and buying it. Um, so for me, I want to really make as much easy money as I can, because again, it's easy as fun. I can kind of take a break. Whereas hard money, it's like, that was just my old corporate job where I was like begging for a 2% raise every year, fighting for like vacation time and like just working from home. Um, There's a big difference there and we can unpack that. But for me, I live my life trying to focus on making easier money because I can kind of express myself better, help more people and uh, really spread spread my message way more than I could working in the constrictions of a hard money environment. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of the don't quit your day job me- message as well. Mm-hmm. Um, have but, a little side hustle. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. love
1: the the emphasis of alignment that you're talking about because I think it does start there. Uh, like, what am I uniquely called to do that is is fun? Really, I mean, gives me energy. That's look if we listen to that and kind of follow that thread a little bit, then you you do kind of start to get a picture of what this easy money path could look like where I think people get really tripped up is they use money as the barrier for why they cannot do it. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people that are, you know, the golden handcuffs they are shackled to a lifestyle, they have kids that are, you know, they've saved, they're saving for college. Um, So there's so many reasons. I think that uh, this, at least my dilemma, I think Mm -hmm. with coaching folks and even in my own life, like that's such a pragmatic barrier for a lot of us so to think about starting with alignment if you can start there then maybe it doesn't feel like a hustle maybe it feels like okay i'm going to spend a few hours on saturday doing this because it's it's meaningful um and that gets me closer and closer to confronting this barrier that i believe the money is creating
2: Mm. if that makes sense it does yeah yeah, the golden handcuffs are tough, and when yeah. you start to actually be practical with this, it gets pretty messy, right? Like it's it's hard, um, and I get that. And actually, if I can kind of go into the the third thing, well, yeah, of critical, though, do. that. That like falls into this. Um, extraordinary people know how to reinvest their money and their free time back into themselves. So mm-hmm. uh, I've been coaching a lot of um, writers for the past couple of years now, like over a hundred of them, uh, like one on one phone call, like we were setting up their business and most of them are pretty much all of them are not coming from a place where they can quit their job yet. They're like new, they're working nine to five jobs or part-time jobs, wanting to kind of be like me or like other writers that are working from home, um, kind of their own boss. And like, how do I do that? And it takes a while, right? And so I've, I've, I've been coaching them and helping them to reinvest this time, like this, you know, 5am to 7am slot or like evening slot or Saturdays, reinvest that back into yourself and your business because that's what it's going to take to actually get to this, this point B from, from where you are, point A. Um, yeah. So a lot of people with their free time, like, again, they're kind of at this really high level stress most of the, of like, the like the day, of the week. There's some level of stress there. And their free time, they just want to go home and binge on Netflix and drink beer and have pizza, which is exactly what like I did for years. Because it was just so hard to maintain that, right? So we're like, we're just kind of cleaning up your life. Uh, condensing things and, and making things more organized because when you can work well and you can rest well, you have more time mentally to reinvest and and you like, don't yes. feel so desperate to just you know sleep in and like have every single minute back with like just binging and like numbing yourself. So once you're in a place where you yeah. can reinvest into yourself, uh, that's when you need to start radically changing how you spend your money from things like you know trinkets and gadgets and like the latest smartphones, whatever. Sacrifice that and those things are fun, but There's a great quote by Dave Ramsey. He's a you know finance guru, um, bestselling author. He said that live like 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 no one else now, so later you can live like no one else. Mm -hmm. So right now, if you just Mm -hmm. want to radically change how you spend your time and your money and put it back into yourself instead of usual going out with friends, even sometimes, or like you know traveling, like put that on the side for now. Live like no one else now. So later, you can live like nobody else does. You can travel whenever you want. You, you can do what you want with with your time. But that takes reinvesting um, your time and your money back into yourself. And my fair ways of doing that are like taking online courses, uh, buying books, buying coaching. Um, one of the, like the fastest ways to kind of gain mastery and your experience and kind of paying your dues is to hire high-level mentors who can teach you what to do, and put yourself with high level competition, kind of people who are also doing what you want to do and kind of being in that zone. So you can earn your way into there by like, you know, networking and meeting people or just buy your way in. Again, mm-hmm. reinvesting like money you like might have spent on a nice TV or wh- whatever it is, back into yourself. And the mm-hmm. more you can do that over and over, that creates huge compound interest where you can be just, just be learning things at like 10 times faster and more fully than the average person who's just kind of doing it casually. So if you, mm-hmm. if you know how to reinvest that, that's going to be a huge yeah. difference maker.
1: Yeah. And this is all about, um, the word clarity came up for me as you were talking values. So I don't think this actually, um, I mean, yes, there's sacrifice, of course, like who wouldn't want to go and Take a trip or buy a car instead mm. of investing in some other <laughs> something else. Uh, it's right. better for our well being. But <laughs> I, like, I think if we're clear on our values, then this step doesn't, it's not that hard, maybe. Like, I think about the sacrifices that Chad and I have had to do for even just our business, but the, the self funding that we're doing. So mm. we can't do some of the things that we would have otherwise, but it's so clear to us. It's so like, well, this is. I would rather invest in ourselves because we've we're we've got we've got something here that we're really proud of, um, and even like investing in myself and spending time with my kids. Like we are really big on uh, family dinners every night, and so that's something that it's not doesn't cost anything. You know, but this is something that that we are putting back into um, ourselves. We're connecting with our kids. We're really living out our values, and so that's just what. That what this made me think of.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of my colleagues uh, on on Medium where, where I write, his name's Tim Denning. Uh, he wrote a line I've been using for years now. He says that not being you will destroy you. And yep. over time, if you're like living out of alignment with yourself, that's, that's going to create a lot of pain and anxiety and frustration where you know you want to be spending time with your kids. You want to have family dinners, but you're busy, whatever, binging on Netflix or just kind of going out. Mm -hmm. Eventually not being who you really are is is, going to create a lot of pain in your life.
0: That's totally, totally agree. And you know, you can even like, you can fool yourself. You can be in a profession where you've persuaded yourself that you're going to be loyal to the organization. You are going to give everything you're trying to compete for some promotion. And maybe some of the things that you're doing are in alignment. They are your strengths. And I think it's sometimes hard for those people to find what do they really want to do if they didn't have to do this thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that, you know? that
1: clarity piece. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. clarity's hard.
0: Yeah, you know, there have been times where I got um, lost in the forest for the trees.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh,
0: good stuff. We are on yeah. a roll.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, again, another great segue to number four here. The fourth thing what extraordinary people know, um, is about clarity. And the way I word it is they know exactly what they want and how to get there. Now, just to address what you said, that is really hard to do. And even if you spend a lot of time focusing and journaling and thinking, it is hard to know, uh, what you want to do with your life. I mean, in my twenties, I did like a dozen, probably two dozen jobs. Like I was a construction worker and a telemarketer and a a career coach and like a drummer. I I, I was in all these things. And just, just try, trying to find, like, I, I was doing the best I could to find out what it was I wanted. I, I still so didn't really know.
0: sounds like you were um, living your best life.
2: <laughs> I was. It was a pretty, pretty hectic 20s. <laughs> um, but again, there's a great quote by uh, Sir Robert Brault. I think he was an uh, English author. He said that um, basically, like, we will follow the path that is the most clear. And, and he's saying, like, the reason we don't reach our goals isn't because the goal is too hard. It's because it's just not clear enough. And you're always going to revert back to what is most clear, even if it's the wrong path. So that's why getting clarity is so important. And again, it's tough, I know. Um, One thing I've done for me that's really helped helped me gain clarity with who I want to be and what I want to do, even like what kind of writer do I want to be, what kind of father, what kind of husband, what kind of friend, uh, is just asking myself why over and over and over again. So if I have like a one-line goal here, like I want to quit my job and be a writer, I just keep asking myself why until I get to a, like a bedrock of like really strong emotion behind that because once you like connect your clarity to emotion, that's where the things really kind of start opening up, and and you like get really big clarity on on bigger things. So for instance, uh, for me, I wanted to quit my job be writer. And I was like, why? And I was like, well, I don't like working for someone else and I want to be my own boss. And it's like, why? And I was just getting closer and closer to emotions. Like, well, I feel like I can't express myself when there's a boss here and I feel like they're limiting me and I, I hate how I feel. It's like, why? Like I just, just asking yourself over and over, uh, that's going to get you some really good clarity. And there's Mm -hmm. lots of exercises out there to do that. I think the point I want to make here is that every time you study these really extraordinary people, they know exactly what they're doing and uh, mm-hmm. how to get there too. And that took a lot of time. And for me that like took years of therapy and a lot of journaling and like reading a ton of books, having these conversations. Um also just experimenting like do I want to be a construction worker? Do I want to be a career coach? Do I want to be a drummer? And like I kind of figured out no, but I'm getting closer, you know. Um yeah. f- For me action created clarity for me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. before I was just like yeah. thinking like, well, what should I do? It's like I don't know. Let's try this thing. And it's like, okay, that was that was not the right idea, but action will create motivation and clarity over time. So I tell people who are stuck, hey, do something, do anything, right. You might realize like, hey, like you're on the wrong path, great. Turn around then and go towards like the new direction that you like now know. Some people don't even take any action. so they're just constantly stuck because they just have no idea what they want to do, but do something that'll give you some more clarity
1: and I think too like, this, these grandiose kind of ideas of like, I want to be, you know, a New York times bestselling writer, <laughs> not just a, an author, but <sighs> like, like I think to, you know, they, they keep us locked up a lot of times. Like, and so I, I really encourage people just like, think tiny, tiny steps. Like what's the next right move? Like what's one action? Like th- it's just a tiny thing that, you know, at least you're experimenting. Um, we talk about a lot, kind of the laboratory that is our life. I think that's the yeah. purpose of life is you you take all these experiences that you're having and you mash them up and then you put out some, some version of yourself that is authentic and you have some gifts that go with that and then boom. Like mm. that, t- Anne Lamont says, you cannot think your way to a purposeful life. Mm. You have to act. Ooh. And I like... I, I totally love that. I think that you, we get stuck in this ruminating of like, you know, idealizing what could be. And, um, I want to be this, you know, whatever ideal version of ourselves and you no, know, you just have to do the very next right thing. So mm-hmm. I love that.
2: That's really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're coming to home, the home front right
2: <laughs> here. Number five, uh, Extraordinary people know how to treat themselves like a leading man or woman. And there's, there's, there's a quote behind that. Um, Wow. Okay. Yeah. In um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography, that's what he says. He says, if you want to be successful, treat yourself like a leading man in his case, or a woman. Uh, He says that and a lot of hard work, right? But in his story, and again, like I've I've read a lot of autobiographies of like famous comedians and entrepreneurs and whatever, they all had this following phase they kind of came into their, their realm of like, Hey, like I kind of want to be this thing, a comedian or a bodybuilder or a politician. And they realized that in order to get there, you have to treat yourself like a leading person here because how that person treats himself is very specific, like a professional versus an an amateur, like the pro versus kind of like a casual, um, amateur. And Mm -hmm. once you treat yourself like a leading man or like a leading woman, um, you start to act very differently. And some of those things are you start investing heavily into yourself. Um, all these people who I've been studying, like they bought coaches, they 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 bought books, they they did a lot of work trying to figure it out. Um Kevin Hart, uh, at one point, he was the number one comedian in the world, like selling out stadiums left and right. Um, early on in his career, uh, he knew he wasn't at the level where he he needed to be. And so he went on, it was about a two year long tour across America went to like hundreds of like random little hole in the wall comedy clubs, figuring out how to do his material, like finding like, like just the right jokes, uh, studying the greats. And that, that, I was just like this, this study phase in his life where he was learning how to become a leading man. And after mm-hmm. that, he, you know, just exploded because he had just learned so much and put in so many reps in how to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you look at like top level athletes or, entrepreneurs or or creators, they're just constantly doing all these things, reinvesting into themselves and treat themselves like a pro. And when you treat yourself like a pro, you're not going to, you're not going to tolerate low level relationships, low level um, opportunities or like obligations, uh, negative people, like wrong money. You're going to say, no, that's not what someone like me would do. In his great book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, one of my favorite books of all time, like finance books, Robert Kiyosaki was saying that back in the day, he's a best-selling author, you know, probably like billionaire, like very, very good money guy. Uh, He was saying that early on, when he first started one of his first businesses, uh, he went bankrupt, everything totally flopped, and he had you know thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. And, uh, he was out shopping with his wife one day and, uh, he saw some like trinket and like, like just, just some like fun kind of like expensive gadget. Like it was like a, a business tool or something, um, for like a shop. And he considered buying it. And he was like, no, like, you know, what? I am a rich man and rich men don't do that. Even though he, <laughs> you know, ha- like was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. He was like, this is what a rich person wouldn't do. What would a rich person do instead? And like that that just totally shifted his mindset from what an average, you know, casual amateur would do versus a pro. So extraordinary people are always treating themselves like a pro, like a leading man. And when you do that, you're not afraid to spend a lot of money on yourself, learning your trade, spending a lot of time, practicing your skills, and maybe even like saying no to social obligations and like mm-hmm. hanging out with people for a season so that by the end of this time, just like Kevin Hart, you come out knowing exactly how to treat yourself like that. And when you treat yourself like that, you're going to connect with people who are on that level. Um, yeah. I, was, I uh, went to a, a writing conference a few years ago. It was uh, Jeff Gawain's Tribe Conference. And um, I wanted to meet this uh, author there. And uh, I was like a big fan of his, you know, and like, I, and, like he was there and I eventually kind of cornered him so awkward. It's like so cringeworthy. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm your biggest fan. Like I was just, just gushing over him and I could tell how like kind of uncomfortable he like, got eventually over time where he's like, okay, great, cool. Like he knew that we weren't on the same level, which, which, which was fine. Uh, eventually like a year or two later, I kind of came back to him with a totally different mindset. Like, Hey, like I'm, I'm on your level. Like, and maybe not even numbers wise or clout wise, but I was true to myself like that. And we became really good friends after that because I wasn't this, like, you know, kind of amateur gushing over him. I was treating him as an equal because I was treating myself as an equal. So, so everything th- in, in your life will, will rise to that. Mm-hmm.
0: But I guess, I mean, if you're treating yourself like a leading man, you, you're not going to hunt down the other. They're, they're supposed to come to you, right? Right.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally from my intention.
0: Well, um, I love
1: that it's about identity. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was thinking of uh, James Clear's book, um, Atomic Habits how he talks about identity in terms of habit building. And like, if, if you see yourself as a non drinker, so when you go to a party and someone says you want to drink and you say, well, no, I don't drink. Like I'm not a drinker. That's different than um, I'm not drinking tonight. Like that's not an identity. So it's a lot easier to kind of break those habits, even if you really don't want to drink that night. But if you see yourself and you identify as a certain, identity. Like I am a leading man. Um, I am not a drinker. Like the net really does kind of shift the mindset a little bit.
0: It sounds like it answers a lot of questions all at the same time. It gives you confidence. It, as you said, um, you know, helps you know what I'm going to say yes to and no to. So boundaries. Um, yeah.
1: So one of the things that I'm like, have always wanted to write and Chad knows this about me. I have, um, never really done it. I've literally wanted to write a book, I think for what, 15 years? Yeah. Something. For, oh, you've wow. been talking
0: about it in earnest for 15. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's interesting. So, and I still want to, and I still will at some point, Yeah. but I don't see myself as a writer. I see mm. myself as a business owner. Mm. And so that has really been an interesting identity shift for me in terms of like, where am I going to put my time? Where am I reinvesting in myself? Where am I, where, like, how do I want to become a better leader? create more, you know, good ideas. So, so it's really like what you're talking about has shifted for me over the years away from one industry and has really kind of solidified it in another industry. So I just uh, wanted to point that out that it's, I think that's part of the expanding process maybe.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. That, that brings to mind a quote by, uh, by, by Jay-Z actually, it was something like, um, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business comma, man you know just, <laughs> just just changing yourself from like not this thing i'm i'm all of these things and that's what yes.
1: yes i love that that's the so importance of a,
0: of a little comma
1: well can let me ask <laughs> this i know we're we've done five but were there any that like any of anything else you discovered as you were writing this book that really surprised you that you were like that's weird
2: hmm yeah there was a lot of studies i did on a lot of people and case studies um Years ago, I was working in corporate America, which is fine. Nine to five job. I was working telemarketing on the side. like, but, And for all intents and purposes, I was, I was pretty average, pretty ordinary. Uh, and once I started reading these books, personal growth and autobiographies of like really successful people, it struck me how differently they approached things than I did um mm-hmm. a great example is this, is a uh, dr carol dweck's book mindset you know fixed mindset oh, versus yeah. growth mindset fixed saying i can't really do anything about this versus growth saying hey i i can be whatever i want i i can become better at at anything and for me one of the biggest obstacles for me was my obstacles uh, i had a lot mm-hmm. of like emotional baggage and and issues and history with um addiction and like family stuff and for so many years, guys, I thought that was, that was it for me. Like that was my ceiling where it's like, Hey, like, you just, this horrible stuff. Like when I get married, I'm going to have to deal with these things. Like I'm never going to be able to fix them or like 10 years now, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be working at this horrible job. Like, even though I know I'm still going to want to be a writer, like that was the mindset for me. And when you read these books and like interviews of, of these really successful, extraordinary people, you see that they were in that place too. But instead of of seeing these weaknesses and and pitfalls as as like a like like a wall, they actually didn't just overcome them, but they actually used them to their strength. Um, there's a great book, one of, one of my favorite books of all time, Ryan Holiday's book, "The Obstacle Is the Way."
0: I like that and one. I, yeah, I read yeah, that recently.
2: It like shifts just from like this is a wall to like this is actually like the fuel itself, and I just change everything for me when, when I realized, Hey, like these obstacles aren't just a wall. Like they're actually like, like the key forward for me. So it's like, Hey, if I have emotional baggage, like use that in therapy. And like, I use that all the time in, in my writing. Like I mm-hmm. grew up with um a stutter. Like I, I was a big stutter and stammer. And I went to, went to speech therapy. It was really awkward and I was bullied for my, whatever. I use that story all the time now. And I've gotten dozens and dozens of people saying, Hey, I stutter too. Like, how did that help you? Like, how, how did you change that? Like that was just like one off story for me. Mm-hmm. I was using this emotional issue as the fuel itself. So for me, mm-hmm. it's like not just enough to see it like as a wall to overcome, actually using your obstacles, just like these people did, they use them to propel themselves into like the stratosphere where people would either not do anything or just use their obstacles as, as a wall to overcome. No, actually use that as the fuel itself.
0: And Brian Holiday uh, famously uh, quit, dropped out of college, and uh, went to mentor with uh, the pretty famous author Robert, Robert Green. Green. Yeah. Um, so that, that's your number three right there, right? Reinvested in himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this this is just such great stuff, Anthony. Um, you have, I think, given us. Um, well, for sure, a lot to think about, but it's self knowledge September, and you've given us stuff that touches on through knowing ourselves, success mindsets. Yeah, and I think values. what I want to
1: just you know point out to everybody um, is there there is a bit of a path here that I think Anthony's laying out for us, which I really love, and I think hmm. it, there it, there is a lot about clarity once you get clear um, on who you are and what you value, what you want, then you can, um, align that with your actions. And then I think then you have to get really smart and tough with yourself in terms of how, like, if this is who I am and this is how I'm going to live my life and I am making these commitments, then there are necessary sacrifices. There are necessary, um, like d- uncomfortable, like it's just, it's uncomfortable because you have to go like stretch yourself, maybe reach out to somebody to mentor you, like push yourself in directions that you might not otherwise want to go. But that's that's how we get to you know, big self is our our company. So that's this is the process by which you can uh, self evolve into who you really are created to be. And so mm. I wanted to say that because I th- I think that you've laid out a really really great roadmap for people to think about.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, actually, you know, what's funny on that little plane you made, I might actually flip the first two uh, clarity, then action. I might say just to say action first, because action mm. will bring that clarity and mm. for, getting clarity is, is so hard and there's so many things you, you can do and still not get it. Um, so if I don't if you're feeling stuck, if you feel like you've tried all these things, I would say just just take action, even massive action, in one direction with like your your career or like a side hustle, or like 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 a hobby, and then see how you feel after that because that will actually give you clarity over time. And again, once you get that clarity, you could align everything else to kind of follow that, reinvesting yourself, learning. But just getting unstuck is so important, and you can do that by just taking action, even just like like you said, Chili's, like just the first right step in the right direction, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really finding those, uh, like Parker Palmer, who is an author, he is my mentor has no mm. clue. I even exist. But <laughs> I think there's ways that we can, uh, be mentored by people that can help like in our industry, maybe in different industries, but they, their words, um, are powerful. And so, you know, watch videos, watch how they're, how are they interacting with people? How are they behaving? How do they walk into a room? Um, we can learn a lot just from Mm -hmm. observing kind of these, these leading men and leading women.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For me, once I realized that I can learn something from everybody, I mean, I just got Uh, like an an, an instant billion teachers in the world, you know, and I love constantly like using that to model who I want to be later.
0: Yeah. Well, love that mindset. And I think one step that they could take is to check out your book. What extraordinary people know. Do, do you care where they, they might go? Do you care if they go to Amazon or do you want them to go to your own site?
2: No, you can buy it wherever books are sold, Barnes and Noble, you know, um, book reads, but I would say Amazon is probably the easiest because mm-hmm. most people have the prime two day shippings, but, uh, yeah, you can get it anywhere, but I would, I would say Amazon is probably the easiest for anyone who wants to get it pretty quickly.
0: Awesome. How do they reach out to find out more about you, Anthony?
2: You can just go to my blog. It's just anthonymore.co, CO, and it has all of my content there courses, uh, interviews, everything is on my website, anthonymore.co. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with the big self audience. It has been an honor and a privilege to have you on.
2: I do a lot of podcasts, you guys, and I I feel fired up on this one. Like This is just a really fun one for me, so thanks so much for having me, <laughs> everyone yes, listening. I good. hope I didn't talk too fast for you, so it was great to be No, it was great. No,
1: I, uh, we are we, we taking copious amounts of notes. I was like, okay, these five <laughs> right here, we've got to highlight those and put them all uh, over social media. Um, no, this is great. This is so good. I love your brain. Uh, I love how you think about things. You have this really practical, but yet aspirational way that you – Uh, talk and inspire people and i think your work is is really powerful and it's affecting and changing lives so thank Thank you you very very
0: much. much yeah of course thank you you take care okay you guys too okay Thank you for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, join the community on Facebook at the Big Self Society. You can find us at Big underscore Self on Twitter. And we are also at the Big Self Society on Medium, where we feature and curate content on topics ranging from psychology to creativity, and productivity. We'd love to hear from you. What show made an impact on your thinking, your habits, your decision-making, or anything else? And anyone you'd like us to reach out to and have on the show, let us know.